0: Hey what's up Alive Church Global, this is Pastor Toby Sanusi here. Hey I hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far, I think it's been incredible. Well I want to welcome you to our new sermon series titled Behind the Scenes. Come on this is a series all about how when God is sometimes working behind the scenes of our lives but he's always working so I'm sure many of you are going to be blessed by this. Stay tuned for the sermons that are coming up and I pray that the Lord teaches and shows you something extraordinary. Extremely special. Hey, I love you all. Hope to see you soon. Peace. You May have your seats. You may have your seats. Welcome, everybody. I hope everybody is doing well. There's something so beautiful about just the presence of God. It's just, it's just beautiful. And I just pray God gives us the grace to just be great stewards of His presence. Um, because I felt in my heart that in that time of worship, uh, people really worshipped in a way that they haven't worshipped in a long time. And I felt the Lord saying that through your worship, chains have fallen off and chains have been broken because of the way you just worshipped him. So I want to encourage you, make it a lifestyle, make it a habit to worship the Lord whether it's through song, whether it's through prayer, whether it's just in your entire life, make it a habit to worship God because worship breaks chains, worship destroys the yoke. If you're going through a situation, if you're going through a problem, your response has got to be to worship. It's got to be to worship. So thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you. We're so grateful. Um, I have a burden on my heart that I want to share before we go into the message Um, I've spoken about it before but I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to speak about it again so I will Um, we've got to build a habit of um, coming to church on time it's so important I'm telling you and I'm not saying this to brag I'm not saying this to boast I'm saying this to warn you there will be a time very soon where this room before it hits 2 p.m., it will be completely packed out. And if you come late, you will, move in, you will be moved into the overflow. And that's why I'm saying, make it a habit to be in church on time. Come on. Our services start at 2 o'clock. And we're still late to 2 o'clock services? Like, we're not, we're not kids, you know? For someone that's consistently late... A service. I, I question if uh, you've moved from religion to relationship. If you're someone that's constantly late to church, I have a fear that you might still just see this as religion. Because at some point it gets, it gets to a point where you really just came just to tick off a box. You really just came to say that you were in church. That isn't relationship. Like, if that's the reason why you're coming to say that you came to church, like, just watch online, or just, or just don't even, like, you don't have to, right? Like, if it's just to say that you came to church, like, like, like who are we trying to impress there? Because it's not God. So you, you, like, literally don't give yourself that hassle. Like, why make the journey if you're going to come at maybe like like 3.30 or 3 o'clock? It's just, just don't make the journey. It literally makes your life easier. You know? But come on, man. If we're growing in maturity in our faith, part of the fruits of maturity is being in church on time. Come on. The way some of us get to church or the way some of us stroll into church so late... If we did it at our workplaces probably wouldn't have a job anymore and my question at that point is which master are you really serving because if you know that you will never do that at your job but in church it doesn't really matter which master are we serving so I want to encourage you cultivate a habit of coming to church on time when you do come into church on time, come to the front. Listen, we're a church that the front is completely open. If you want, you can sit right next to me, it doesn't matter. Come to the front. Grab it, get it first, get the, the Word of God first. There's so many people that, I speak, that I've spoken to, I even think I was speaking to some people last week, and they were just like, man, there's such a difference when you sit closer to the front than at the back. It's real. I'll be honest, it's real. So let's make it a habit to start <clears throat> being in church on time. Uh, we're not kids anymore, you know, uh, but we really want to mature in this faith and part of us going deeper is being more disciplined. Like I said, we literally start service at two o'clock. There's literally nothing more we can do for you. The Lord will help us. I know the people who were late today didn't say amen to that, but I say amen for you. The Lord will help us. Okay, let's get into the message. So um, I'm, I'm sitting down today because, um, you know, by the grace of God, I'm strong, but um, honestly, I'm not really that strong. Um, not feeling too well today, so please, whenever you remember me, please do uh, say a prayer for me. Uh, but I don't have much energy, so I'm, I'm going to be sitting for today's message. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the content that will be in the message. I guarantee you there will be a lot of content, and by the grace of God, you will be fed. So let's dive into the message. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would have your way. And Lord, I pray that every single heart that hears this message will be touched and will be transformed. Father God, let your word do what only your word can do. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, so welcome to part three of our sermon series titled Come on. I wasn't mean to you guys, was I? Come on, man. We can still, still relax a bit. Welcome to our third part of our sermon series titled, Much Better. And it's a series all about, uh, focused on the book of Esther. And we have been jumping in, we, we've been in Esther for the past two weeks. First week we did Esther chapter 1, last week we were in Esther chapter 2. And today, of course, we are in Esther chapter And this series is a series that is really and truly all about the fact that uh, uh, God has a behind-the-scenes nature. What does that mean? It means that oftentimes uh, it may seem like God is not working in your life, or it may seem like you can't see God working clearly in your life, but he is the God of behind-the-scenes. And even though we don't sense him working, he's still absolutely working. Is working and we and we get this from the interesting fact that the book of Esther does not mention God once, but we see his hand over the whole entire book. And today we are in chapter three of Esther, and we are finally introduced to our villain of the story. We're introduced to our villain of the story, and the plot really Begins to pick up at this point, so so maybe if you found the first two weeks boring, I, I'm sure I'm sure it will get a bit more exciting from from today onwards. So we're in chapter three. If you if you open your Bibles with me to Esther chapter three, you know today I feel like I feel like reading the whole chapter because kind of just, just why not? You know, I feel like reading the whole chapter today. So we're in Esther chapter three, and 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 I'm reading from the from the New Living Translation. Okay, so stay with me. It's it's interesting. Trust me, you won't get bored. All right. So it says, Esther chapter 3, verse 1. Some time later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, that is our villain, Haman, son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, to prime minister, making him the most powerful official in the empire next to the king himself. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded. But Mordecai Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but he still refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this, snitches. They spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct. Since Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. Verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone, since he had learned that Mordecai was a Jew. He decided to destroy all of the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Verse 7. So in the month of April, during the 12th year of King Xerxes' reign, lots were cast. The lots were called Purim. The lots were cast to determine the best day and month to take action. And the day selected was March the 7th, nearly a year le- Hey, by a show of hands, is anybody's birthday March the 7th? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Raise your hand in the air. Might be an opportunity. Nobody born March the 7th? Ah, goodness. Parents weren't doing so well. Okay. Verse 8, verse 8. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered throughout all the provinces of your empire. Their laws are different from those of any other nation and they refuse to obey even the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. Verse 9. If it pleases your majesty, would you issue a decree that they be destroyed? And I will give 375 tons of silver to the government administrators so that they can put it into the royal treasury. Verse 10. The king agreed. Confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Verse 11, keep the money, the king told Haman, but go ahead and do as you like with these people. On April 17th, Haman called it, anybody's birthday April 17th? Hands up, April 17th? Is that somebody's hand up there? No? Okay. Nobody's birthday April 17th as well? Okay. On April 17th, Haman called in the king's secretaries and dictated letters to the princes, the governors of the respective provinces, and the local officials of each province in their own scripts and languages. These letters were signed in the name of King Xerxes, sealed with his ring, and sent by messengers into all of the provinces of the empire. The letters decreed, listen to this, the letters decreed that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, that they must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen nearly a year later on March the 7th. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. A copy of this decree was to be issued in every province and made known to all of the people so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. Verse 15, this is where we end. At the king's command, the decree went out by the swiftest messengers and it was proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink But the city fell into confusion. Wow. Someone just say, wow. Wow, that was so boring. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So chapter three. Chapter three is a very interesting chapter. So like I said, that is the chapter where we are introduced to our villain of the story. And his name is Haman. Now chapter three introduces us to Haman by telling us that this man got a promotion. So like it was said in the NLT version, to put it into modern day context, it would be like someone from the government was being promoted to the position of prime minister in the country. So really and truly, Haman was the second most powerful man in the whole of Persia. Now the Bible doesn't actually tell us why Haman got this promotion. The Bible doesn't tell us why Haman got this promotion. We don't even learn anything about what Haman did well. We don't learn about any reason why he should have deserved this promotion. We don't learn that, that, that he was an incredible government official. We don't see any reason as to why Haman should have received this promotion. In fact, all we do see about Haman is reasons why this man probably shouldn't have been promoted. All we see about Haman in chapter 3 is reasons why this man probably shouldn't have been promoted to such a high position. And I actually think that the author does this on purpose. Because I think God wants to show us through Haman the dangers that come with being promoted to a position of great responsibility when you're not ready for it. I think God wants to reveal to us how dangerous it can be to be promoted to such a high position of responsibility when we are not ready for it. Because, spoiler alert, Haman dies in chapter 7, but the path towards his death started with a promotion. The path towards Haman's death started with a promotion that he was never ready for. And I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me to preach this message to you today because I think that there are a lot of people that are desiring a promotion in some sort of way. You're desiring a promotion in some area of your life, a promotion that requires more responsibility. Whether it's a promotion in your workplace, whether it's a promotion in in, in your career, whether it's a promotion, some sort of promotion of responsibility in the church, whether it's some sort of promotion in your finances, whether it's some sort of promotion in your business, I believe in my heart that there are a lot of people that are desiring some sort of upgrade. But let me tell you something, he will not do it for you if you are not ready. He will not do it for you if you are not ready because your character, he won't give you that promotion if you're not ready. Because a premature promotion will lead to your definite destruction. A premature promotion will lead to your definite destruction. And this is exactly what happened with Haman. He received a promotion that he was never ready for. And how do I know that Haman was not ready for this promotion? You can tell by his character. The way I know that Haman was not ready for for this promotion is his character portrayed it. Because your character will reveal whether or not you are ready to be upgraded. You've got to note that down. Your character will always reveal whether or not you are ready to be upgraded. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, Are You Ready for the Upgrade? Are You Ready for the Upgrade? You know, a lot of the times, a lot of us were expecting something more. We're expecting some sort of promotion, some sort of upgrade. But we are so quick to blame God when it doesn't come. We're so quick to blame God when we don't get the upgrade. We're like, God, do you really see me? God, do you really see my situation? God, are you really hearing my cries? Are you really hearing my prayers? Some of us, we've been hearing about this behind the scenes for the past two weeks, and we're like, God, are you working behind the scenes for me? Because I'm not seeing anything. But let me tell you something. God will not work behind the scenes for you to get the upgrade if your character clearly proves that you're not ready for it. I'm going to say that again. God will not work behind the scenes for you to get the upgrade if your character proves that you are not ready for it. He won't work behind the scenes for you to get that job promotion if your character proves you're not ready for it. He won't work behind the scenes for you to get that financial increase if your character proves that you're not ready for it. He won't work behind the scenes for you for your business, or for your creative project to blow if your character shows that you're not ready for it. He won't work behind the scenes for you to get into that church ministry team if your character shows that you're not ready for it. Why? Because he loves you too much. And he knows that if he puts you in this position before you are ready for it, it will destroy you. He loves you too much to do that to you. So if you've been praying for so long, God, when am I going to get the upgrade? And you're not seeing anything happen. Maybe you need to shift your prayers from God, when will I get this upgrade to God? Would you fix my character so that my character will make me a candidate for this upgrade? Maybe you need to change your prayers. Because you're asking God, God, when am I getting the upgrade? God's like, when are you going to change your character? I want us to take a look at Haman's character. And I believe that as we look at Haman's character, or as we look at, look at, look at how Esther chapter 3 portrays Haman's character, we'll see some of the character traits that disqualify you from being ready for an upgrade. As we look at Haman's character, you will see some of the character traits that disqualify you from being ready for an upgrade. Number one, first character trait that will absolutely disqualify you from getting an upgrade, pride. One of the character traits that Haman displays very clearly in chapter three was pride. Haman is literally known as one of the prime examples in the Old Testament of pride. This man was absolutely filled with pride to the brim. He was so filled with pride that this man literally had people worshipping him. He literally had people bowing down to him. And the moment when one person didn't bow down to him, Mordecai, the Bible says that he was filled with rage. Why? Listen to this. Because people who are filled with pride usually have a deep desire to be recognized. People who are filled with pride usually have a deep desire to be recognized. Because you might be here and you're like, oh, Toby, I don't, I don't struggle with pride. I, I don't need nobody to, to bow down to me. I'm fine. I'm not like Haman. But do you have a deep sense or a deep desire for people to just recognize you? For people to just see you? For people to just hear you? you someone that has a desperate need to be recognized. You just want everything to revolve around you. You just want everything to be about you. If that is you, you might be dealing with pride. Because pride is is self-absorption. Pride is is self-absorption. You're just obsessed with yourself. It's all about you. Everything has to revolve around you. You have to be heard in the room. You have to be spoken about. You have to be listened to. And the moment you don't get the recognition that you think you deserve... You respond with frustration. We need to check ourselves and we need to ask, Am I a prideful person? You need to check yourself and ask, Am I a prideful person? Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. So if you're someone that's filled with pride, destruction is inevitable. We've got to check ourselves and make sure that we're not people who are dealing with pride. Make sure that we're not people with prideful hearts, that everything just has to be about us. I saw a post the other day day, that showed different signs of pride or that showed how you can figure out if you have pride in your life or if you're dealing with pride in your heart. And you can almost use these as a litmus test to tell whether or not I'm dealing with pride. I'm going to read them out to you. Eight things real quick. There was more, but, but but I picked these eight ones to be quick. Number one, assuming you already know something when someone is teaching you. One of the ways that you can see if you're someone who's dealing with pride. You just assume that you already know whatever the person's going to say. Someone comes to you and they're like, hey, can I, can, I, can I tell you something? Can I maybe give you some constructive criticism? Oh, I already know what they're talking about. Oh, I already know that. Don't worry. You assume that you already know everything. You assume that you already know what someone's going to say when they want to teach you something. Number two, seeing yourself as too good to perform certain tasks. I love this one. You just see yourself as too, like, that is beyond me. Carry a, cha- carry a chair? No. I'm part of the worship. I, I'm in the media. Me, carry a chair? No, no, no. You just see certain things as beyond, like, I don't need to, I'll leave that to the, for the other people to do. I, I, I don't need to do that. I'll leave that for the people who are, who are a bit lower than me in my hierarchy at work. I'll leave that for them. Seeing yourself as too good to perform certain tasks. Number three, feeling the need to consistently teach people things. This is a big one. You just feel the need to be the teacher of everything. Every single time. You're just like, let me teach you what I've learned in my time. Like it's it's okay to have that teacher spirit. You want to help people. But you just feel like you are the one that should do all of the teaching all the time. It should only be you that teaches people. Feeling the need to always teach people things. But you never want to be taught. You never want to receive. You just want to always teach people things. It's a sign that you're dealing with pride. Number four, talking about yourself a lot. That's self-explanatory. All you talk about is just yourself. Someone will come to you, they'll say something to you, and you'll be like, yeah, when I did that. Or yeah, I remember when that happened to me, and it just conversation just always shifts to it just being about you all the time. Number five, constantly disregarding advice of others. I'm gonna kind of speed through this because you don't have much time. Constantly disregarding the advice of other people. Number six, you are consistently critical. or you are, every single time, you're just always critical. Never have something positive to say, always ready to criticize someone. Number seven, you have a consistent need for attention and affirmation. A consistent need, crave for attention and affirmation. And number eight, you're unwilling to submit to authority. No one can be above you. These are just a few things to show that that you might be dealing with pride in your heart. And pride is a character trait that proves that you are not ready for an upgrade. Pride is a character trait that proves that you are not ready for an upgrade. Trust me, if you are dealing with pride in your heart, stop praying, God, promote me. Stop praying, God, upgrade me. Because God is, not nest- God is not subject to how you feel. God is subject to his word. And in his word on countless occasions, he says the only people that will be exalted are the ones who are humble. Countless times. James chapter 4 verse 10 is what he says. That's what he says. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6, that's what he says. Matthew chapter 23 verse 12, that's what he says. Luke chapter 14 verse 11, that's what he says. Luke chapter 1 verse 52. Every one of those verses and more talk about the only people that will be exalted are they that are humble. So if you're dealing with pride in your heart and you're praying, God, exalt me, you're wasting your time. Because he doesn't exalt the prideful. He doesn't upgrade. He doesn't promote the prideful. So if you're dealing with pride in your heart, you better start praying, God, start working on that pride in my heart. God, every single spirit of pride in my heart, God, would you take that away? Because it's causing stagnation in my life. Another character trait that Haman displays is hatred. Number two, if you're looking for the character trait that will absolutely disqualify you from an upgrade, from some sort of promotion, from God working behind the scenes to upgrade you, it is hatred. It's hatred. Hatred in your heart. You see, the Bible tells us that Haman was an Agagite. To give you guys some biblical history, that means that Haman was a descendant of a king named Agag, who was the king over the, Amel- over the Amalekites. Amalekites, always a weird, weird word to say, Amalekites. And they were Israel's arch enemy. The Amalekites were Israel's arch enemy. And they were the enemies of the Jewish people. And this is probably one of the reasons why Mordecai didn't bow down to Haman. Because these these Agagite people that Haman was, and remember Mordecai, like we learned last week, Mordecai is a Jewish man. And these Agagite people are not only enemies of the Jews, but they are also enemies of God. So Mordecai was like, listen, I'm not bowing down to somebody who is an enemy of the God that I serve. And when Haman found out that the man who was refusing to bow down to him was a Jewish man, Haman's heart was so filled with hatred that he decided that it's not enough for me to just kill uh, Mordecai, for me to just discipline Mordecai, but I'm going to literally commit mass genocide and annihilate every single Jewish person. Can't you see the hatred that this man had in his heart? that he hated these people so much that the moment he found out that Mordecai was a Jewish man, he said, this is my chance to get rid of every single one of these Jewish people. Because remember, like I said to you in week one, this is why it's so important that you go back to listen to these messages because we're in canon, you know? This isn't one of those TV shows that you can just randomly watch episode seven. It won't make sense to you. But like I said to you in the first week, remember, most Jewish people in the world were gathered in that country were gathered in Persia. Almost like 85% of Jewish people in the world. So for Haman to say that he wants to kill all Jewish people in Persia, that's basically all Jewish people in the world. So this man literally had so much hatred in his heart that he wanted to get rid of an entire people. This man decided that one man's offense is good enough reason to annihilate an entire people. And he goes to the king in verse eight, and look what he says in verse eight. He says in verse eight to the king, he says, There's a certain group of people. This man had so much hatred in his heart that he didn't even want to say who they were. He didn't even want to call them Jewish people. He just said, There are a certain group of people. And he says to the king, Listen, they 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 separate themselves from everyone else. They don't, they don't, they they have their own laws, they have their own rules. They don't follow the rules of the king like people should bow down to me. So he says to the king, you have got to annihilate every single one of these people. He has so much hatred in his heart that he even literally says, I will pay you. Whatever you want me to pay you, king, I will pay the government just so that you can let me kill all of these people. Someone with this much hate in their heart was nowhere near ready to be in a position of power, was nowhere near ready to be promoted. And my question to you today church is, are you carrying hate for people in your heart? Come on, I actually want us to think about that. Are you carrying any hatred for people in your heart? If it's a group of people, if it's one person, are you carrying any hate in your heart? Because it might be the hatred in your heart that is bringing your life to a standstill. It might be the hatred that is in your heart that is not allowing you to move forward let me tell you something listen as christians we're called to hate (laughs) Now, that's probably sounded controversial to some people but the bible tells us in romans chapter 12 verse 9 that as believers we are called to hate evil that is the only thing as believers that is all we are called we are called to hate evil but let me tell you something as believers we are never ever called to hate people we are never called to hate people but as people who love God we are meant to love all people the bible says in first john chapter 4 verse 20 if anyone says i love God but hates his brother they are a liar if anyone says that i love God but they hate their brother they are a liar because how can you love a God that you can't see but you claim how 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 does that even make sense that you claim to love a God that you cannot see but you hate the people that you can see says if anyone says that they love God but they hate their brother but they hate people you are a liar so as believers we're never called to hate people we cannot say that we have the love of Christ in our heart if we hate people we cannot allow hatred to dwell in our hearts and sometimes I know it can be very difficult I don't know everyone's situation here, but I know that maybe situations can arise, something can happen that can allow you to feel hatred for some people. But you know, the Bible says, be angry and not sin. Don't sleep on that anger that you have. That's the Bible telling us that you can't allow that hatred to dwell in your heart. We must work on forgiving people we must work on forgiving people why because Christ forgave us we have to work on forgiving people because Christ forgave us the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 to 32 it says get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Listen, you might look at someone, you and and you might look at someone, and you might say, "Oh, they're not deserving of my forgiveness," but neither were we. Neither were you. You were not deserving of the forgiveness that God gave to you and I, but He still gave it to us and as redeemed people, as people who now carry the heart of Christ, we have got to be people that look at people that we don't think deserves our forgiveness, but still forgive them. Why? Simply because of the fact that Christ forgave us. I promise I don't wanna belittle anyone's situation. I don't wanna belittle what anyone went through, but the fact that Christ forgave you has got to be enough to forgive someone else. It has to be enough. And I know that the forgiveness won't be automatic. I know that the forgiveness also probably won't be easy. But the truth is, is that it will always be worth it. Forgiving that person will always be worth it. Why? Because forgiving someone doesn't necessarily free them. Forgiving someone frees you. When you're holding on to hatred, when you're holding on to bitterness, you are the one that's in chains, not them. When you're holding on to that anger, that frustration, you are the one that's in chains, not them. So when you forgive someone, you're literally freeing yourself from the shackle and from the bondage of hatred. That's why forgiving will always be worth it. Even if the person doesn't even repent, forgiving them will always be worth it because you're freeing yourself from the shackle and from the bondage. Don't allow hatred in your heart to destroy you the same way that it destroyed Haman. Because hatred will lead to your destruction, not them, your destruction. So do yourself a favor and let go of that hatred. If you want to move forward in your life, if you want to advance, if you want God to upgrade you, it's time to let go of that hate in your heart. It's time for you to move forward. I know the Holy Spirit wanted to speak that word just to one person today. It's time for you to move forward. It's time for you to advance. So you need to let go of the hate that's in your heart. The final character trait that I want to speak about that Haman had, a character trait that will absolutely disqualify you from being ready for a promotion or for any type of upgrade that God wants to give you is a craving for power. One of the clearest, listen, this crave for power is saturated throughout the whole of chapter 3. Haman had a desperate craving for power. Starting off with people bowing down to him. Him responding in a certain way when one person didn't bow down to him. His response not to only uh, uh, deal with that one person but to kill an entire race. This is someone who desperately craved power. Because he knew he needed to get rid of that race because he's like, listen, if they don't obey me, I need them to go. That's a desperate craving for power. But I think his craving for power is really, really shown in verse 10. His craving for power is really shown in verse 10. The Bible tells us in verse 10, After Haman makes the request to the king to kill all of the Jewish people, the Bible says the king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman. The signet ring of the king is one of the most is one of the most powerful things in an entire kingdom. The signet ring that the king wore was a sign of true authority. Why? Listen to this. Because it was with the signet ring that a king would would seal decrees and would seal rules. As in when they would write a letter, when they would write a decree or a rule, the king would get his ring and he would seal the letter. And once the stamp of the king's signet ring is on a letter, that thing is final. It cannot be reversed. You cannot go back on it. No matter what is written in the letter, if the stamp of the signet ring is on that letter, it is done. So for the king to give Haman his signet ring, that essentially made Haman the most powerful person in the kingdom. Because he can now write whatever he wants. And the moment he stamps it with the signet ring, that thing is final. So you can imagine that the moment Haman received this ring, that was a dream come true for him. You can imagine he's like, yes, now I have the ring. Now I am basically as powerful as the king. I can do whatever I want with this. This was a man that desperately craved power. And my question to you today is that, are you someone who craves power? Because if you crave power, listen to me you will be disqualified for an upgrade. If you have a desperate craving for power, it will disqualify you from being upgraded by God. Do you know how you can tell when someone has a power craving? You can tell that someone has a power craving when they have a desperate longing for influence and they would do anything to get that influence. When they have a desperate longing for influence and they would do anything to get that influence, no matter what it is, they just want to influence people. I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8, the magician, his name was Simon. The Bible says that, that, that this man Simon, he was a magician, he would do magic, uh, uh, people would be so impressed with the magic, they would love it. They would be so impressed that they would literally look at Simon and they'll say this man is great that was a man who had a lot of influence people would probably do whatever he wanted because they were so impressed with this magic that he had but the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that when Philip Peter and John came to that city and they started preaching the gospel and and administering the Holy Spirit true power the Bible says that Simon was in awe of this Holy Spirit And people, all of the people that were so impressed by his magic, they left him and they went to where the true power was in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when Simon saw this, he decided himself that he wants to believe in this Holy Spirit power. And this man, because at this point he'd lost his influence with the people. Because no longer were people impressed by him, so he, he lost his influence with the people. So this man needed a way to get his influence back. Why? Because he craved power so much. He needed a way to get his influence back that he actually went to Peter. And do you know what he said to Peter? He said to Peter, how much money can I give you for me to receive this what? This power. How much money can I give you for me to receive this power? Why? Because the man wanted his influence back. He didn't like the fact that he couldn't really influence people anymore. So he began to crave that power. If you're someone that you just have a craving, a desire to just influence all of the people around you. See, it's a different thing if you want to influence, you know, you want to have some influence, influence people for Christ. That is fantastic. As believers, we should do that. But listen. When you just desire influence just for the sake of influencing, you desire influence just for the sake of of, of people just listening to you and doing what you want, you might have a power craving. And the moment that God sees that you have a craving for power, you will never be worthy for an upgrade. Because that craving for power will lead to destruction. I was reading a study that, 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 um, that shows how you can diagnose if you have a craving for power. I'm sure there are a lot more things, but three things that really stood out to me. Ways that you can show if you have a craving for power. Number one, if you crave power, your greatest nightmare is usually humiliation. If you crave power, your greatest nightmare is usually humiliation. Because you realize... People who are very power-hungry, if anyone disrespects them, if anyone embarrasses them, if if anyone uh, um, uh, uh, demises them, if anybody doesn't respect them, you will realize that they tend to lash out in anger. Why? Because their greatest fear is humiliation. They have a huge fear of being humiliated. If anyone disrespects me, I'll lash out with anger. Because I crave power so much and my last thing that I ever want in this world is to be humiliated. Just like Haman. That's why when one person didn't bow down to Haman, he felt humiliated by one person. Out of how many people in this whole city, one person didn't bow to you and you were filled with anger. That was someone who had a craving for power. Number two, another way that you can see if if, if you have a power craving the people around you tend to feel used rather than loved. If you have a power craving, the people around you, they tend to feel used rather than loved. If you're someone with a power craving, you just see people as stepping stones, stepping stones for you to get to your objective. Rather than seeing people that you can build up, rather than seeing people that you can love and that you can raise with you in Christ, you just see them as just your stepping stones. Oh, I'll just use this person to get to the next place Use this person to get to the next place You have a power craving The people around you, they feel used rather than feel loved Finally, if you have a power craving Your typical emotional response to things is anger If you're someone that craves power Your typical emotional response to things is anger Your disrespected, anger People don't agree with you, anger. You don't get things your way, anger. You don't get the role or the position that you want, anger. If that's you, there might be a, pro- a power craving there. Listen to me, you must be very careful. I know I've run over time a bit, but give me 10 more minutes and we'll close. You must be very careful. God will not upgrade someone who has a desperate craving for anger in fact not only will God not upgrade someone that has a desperate craving for power sorry not anger God will not upgrade someone that has a desperate craving for power not only will he not upgrade them but he will actually degrade them ask Lucifer Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 to 15 Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, the Bible says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning, speaking about Lucifer. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. Look at this power craving that he had. You said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. Power craving. I will preside on the mounting of the gods far, far away in the north. Power craving. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. Power craving. Look at what happened. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of death, of, de- of the dead, down in its lowest depths. When there's a power, when there's a power craving there, forget about the upgrade and start preparing for the downgrade. Because God cannot trust someone who has a desperate power, power craving with an upgrade. You even need to be brought down. Satan had a, Lucifer had a power craving, thinking that he, will, he can be upgraded. No, you get sent all the way down, lower than our feet. That's what happens when you have a power craving. So if you're realizing in your life that you're not advancing, that there's no upgrade, that you're not moving forward, ask the Lord, Lord, do I have a power craving? If I do, Lord, remove that from my heart. As we see in the life of Haman, there are certain character traits that will disqualify you from an upgrade. And God will not work behind the scenes for you to get an upgrade if you are not ready for it. He loves you too much to do that to you. He will not give you that upgrade if you are not ready for it. Why? Because he doesn't want what happened to Haman to happen to you. But I close with this. If you are someone that is looking for some sort of upgrade, that is looking for some sort of promotion in your life, instead of being like Haman, be like the one who received the greatest promotion of all time. And that's Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, it says, therefore God elevated him, speaking about Jesus, God elevated him, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. God elevated him and gave him the place of highest honor. Is that not an upgrade? Is that not some sort of promotion? That God elevated him to the place of highest honor. If you're someone that is looking for some sort of upgrade, for some sort of advancement, for some sort of increase, for some sort of promotion, be like the one who received the greatest promotion ever. Jesus Christ. In that same chapter, Philippians chapter 2, I believe it's in verse 5. You know what Paul says? Paul says, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. It's not an attitude of pride. It's not... An attitude of hatred. It's not an attitude that craves power. But instead of the attitude of pride, he had an attitude of humility. Instead of the attitude of hatred, he had the attitude of love. Instead of the attitude of craving for power. Instead, he had the attitude of acknowledging the one who truly holds all power. This is the kind of character traits that God looks at and he says, this one is ready for an upgrade. This one is ready for promotion. This one is one who I will work behind the scenes for them to get that increase. Because their character proves that they're ready for it. Be like Jesus. That is the best blueprint to follow. That is the best guide to follow. The attitude and the character of Jesus Christ was not one that was filled with pride at all, but was one that was so humble that he would take the lowest seat at the table. Was not one that was filled with hatred at all, but the hatred for the things that were evil, but instead he had a love for all people. For he so loved the world. He was not one that had a craving for power. Why have a craving for power when he knew he had all power? (laughs) It's not one that craved power at all. But instead when satan came to him and said to him listen and satan tempted him in the wilderness and satan said hey listen i can give you everything here. I can give you all this land. I can give you everything Wasn't that Satan tempting him with power? But what did Jesus said? I don't need that. All he did was acknowledge that my God has all power already. That's the attitude that we must have as believers. So I want us to pray. Stand if you would like. You don't have to. Do as you please. Uh, Let's talk to God and you know a beautiful thing about the word is that the word is described as light and what does light do? Light exposes darkness and there are times where we may have come into service not feeling like we were dealing with any of these things. We may have come into service like, uh, I don't think I deal with any of these wrong character traits, but what the light does, what the word does, is that it exposes areas that are dark. And now because of the word, you are now at a place where some of those things, I think, I think that's me. Are we grateful for the power of the word? So now I want you to go ahead to, and speak to God. And I want you to simply just say to God, God, If my character does not align with the character of Jesus Christ, please change it. Very simple prayer. Begin to speak to God. If there is any area, if there is any character trait that I have, Lord, that does not align with the character trait of Jesus Christ, Lord, please change it. God, please change my character completely, Lord. God, if you sense any pride in me, Lord, would you remove it and replace it for humility? God, if you sense any hatred in me, see, it's important that we pray. God, if you see these things, because you might not see it. You might not think that you have pride. You might not think that you have hatred in your heart. You might not think that you have a craving for power. So you have to say, God, if you sense any of these things in my heart, Please remove it and replace it with the things of you. Remove the pride for humility, God. Remove the hatred for love, God. Remove the power craving for a heart that would acknowledge you as all powerful, Lord. Remove these ill character traits in my heart that is, that is stopping me from advancing, that is stopping me from moving forward that is stopping you from opening the next door in my life God, every character trait that proves that I am not ready for what you have next for me God, would you work on my heart? Come on, you cannot do it on your own only the Holy Spirit can help you so ask the Spirit of God, would you work on my heart so that I would be a candidate so that I would be a candidate in your eyes of someone who is ready for a promotion of someone who is ready for an upgrade of someone that is ready for the next step God, deal with my heart. Come on, you've got to pray. The psalmist prayed to God. He said, search my heart, O Lord. And if you find anything on the inside of me that does not align with who you are, lead me back to the path of everlasting life. Cry out to God and say, God, search my heart. Search every area of my heart, Lord. Father God, whatever is in my heart that does not look like you, God, you have got to shift it around. God, you have got to realign me with your nature. God, you have got to realign me with who you are father god you if you have made me in your image father god let my heart portray that god if you have made me in your image god let my character portray that god would you burn away every spirit in my heart that is destroying my chances of an upgrade god would you burn away everything in my character that does not look like you would you burn it away pray for yourselves this is for you it's not for anybody else pray for yourselves some people are wondering do I have to do this it's up to you it's for yourself pray for yourself if you want to remain stagnant in your life don't pray But if you want to move forward, if you want an upgrade, tell God to change things around in your character. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, work on us. God, shift our characters, Lord. God, until we look like you, God, please continue to do the work in us. Father God, any character trait that we have in our heart that is proving that we are not ready for the next thing, God, please, would you work on us? And would you remove those character traits, Lord? Make us look more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this week's message. If you have, please follow our channel for more of our Sunday sermons. Now go and be alive in Christ.